0: Doing the impossible is not something you make happen. It's something that you allow to happen. After conducting over 10,000 personal and group coaching sessions over the last decade, author and personal coach Jason Dries has unlocked the simple yet effective formula to accept and create success in your life on the most basic, instinctive level. In his latest book, Do the Impossible, Jason gives readers access to the same life-changing principles he provides in his personal coaching sessions. Ready to embrace success as a state of being? In this exclusive listener offer, get your copy of Do the Impossible for 50% off from the publishers at Bigger
1: Pockets. To get your copy of Do the Impossible for 50% off any format, go to www.biggerpockets.com impossible50. That's 50% off any format, www.biggerpockets.com
2: impossible50. Power blackouts. They happen every year. But guess what, blackouts? You've met your match. Say hello to Goal Zero, the leader in affordable home power backup systems and solar generators. Goal Zero's generators power your fridge, freezer, lights, Wi-Fi, TV, and more with clean power. Their home backup systems, like the Yeti 3000X, have no fuel, no fumes, no noise, and no maintenance. Just good, clean energy that keeps your home up and running. They offer a range of products and affordable price points, from power stations that can provide a half-day's worth of power to solar generators and home backup systems that can keep you powered for one, two, or three days. Plus, they're all portable, so you can take your power with you when you go camping, tailgating, and more. So yeah, take that, blackouts. Our power is here to stay. Have peace of mind when blackouts hit. Go to GoalZero.com to learn more. Almost everyone.
0: In some way, is carrying around pain um, is the is the graduate of intense struggle, um, and we all have different things. For me, it's my compromised and imperiled eyesight. For somebody else, it might be, you know, the loss of a spouse or a child um, at a terribly young age. For somebody else, as you said, it might be anxiety disorder. All of us are in some measure and in some way struggling.
1: Welcome to On Brand with Donnie Deutsch. I am Donnie Deutsch, and this is a show dedicated to a simple premise that everybody and everything today is a brand. Every product, every company, uh, every athlete, every celebrity, every politician, uh, every movement, every institution is a brand. The brand is a set of values. So, look, if you've got a Facebook page, you're a brand because you're putting out images and attitudes about yourself. And so that's what we do on the show. We do two things. Uh, first, we do an interview with somebody about their own personal brand. Today it's the brilliant Frank Bruni. Uh, years and years and years, one of the top ed- op-ed columnists for uh, the New York Times. Uh, he's a professor now. He's just all smart about all things. And we're gonna we're gonna talk, break down the world and what's going on, obviously in Ukraine and about a bunch of other things with with Mr. Bruni. And then we do what we call our brands of the week, and these are the brands that are kind of shaping the zeitgeist: which brands are up, which brands are down. And let's get right into it. Course of course, uh, the first brand of the week, and I, I, he doesn't even deserve to be called a brand. Is Putin? Uh, uh, he was branded, a, 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 um, accurately, a war criminal by Joe Biden, and Joe Biden is making it very personal. Um, you know, Putin doesn't realize the world knows. You know, I'm going to quote from it: "You don't show your masculinity by raising cities, by bombing maternity hospital, by boarding by boarding school for the visually impaired, a breadline, a community center, a shelter, painting a message." In Russian, pleading the children are inside. What kind of monster treats the word "children" as an invitation to kill? That was written by the great Maureen Dowd, and um, he will go down as as one of the one of the the disgusting, vulgar scoundrel, bad people of all time. Uh, we're just watching it; you see it day to day, um, and there are no words for it uh, except complete scum and a war criminal. And Biden branded him best brand down for Russia. He's destroying his own country. Um, Washington, Great Washington Post article, they've been set back by decades. Uh, the, the ruble value has is, is collapsed. The market has collapsed. Uh, they've set them back 30 years. The banking sanctions, suspending Russia's World Trade Organization benefits, Putin's nationalization threat, the crash of the ruble, uh, being, Putin being considered a war criminal, all of these things. Um, 400 companies have withdrawn from from Russia or scaled back. And he's destroying his own country at the same time. And uh, as I said, uh a war criminal uh, and let loose. And obviously we'll be following that week to week to week to week. And it's just so hard to watch. Uh, Brand up for Zelensky, um, Ukrainian president, just continues to show his, his strength. And he's about the only thing that can unite this country. He got a standing ovation from both Democrats and Republicans when he spoke at Congress. And I can't think of another human being that would do that. And that's how he's actually brought this country together. So a huge brand up for Zelensky. He continues to uh, impress and and just show how people can rise to the occasion. A former TV, an example of a former TV star, a reality TV star who actually did rise to the occasion as opposed to what we suffered through for four years. Uh, Speaking of which, Brand Down, as I usually often do on this show for Donald Trump, he says the Soviet Union had a lot of love. And that is why Putin wants his country back the way it was. Um, I'm going to quote Maureen Dowd again. Trump, who called Putin's barbaric strategy genius and savvy after spending four years legitimizing that malefactor, also comes out as a loser. And um, he's since obviously pulled back some of his comments, but we know his bro love for Putin. And you know, and he said it out already, that he, yeah, of course, why not? You can do it if you if you can take it. And it's yours. That's his philosophy in life. And um, a continued brand down. One day we'll get Trump a brand up. Maybe when he uh, declares he's not running for president. Um, which is still obviously a big up in the other side. I go back and forth on that one. I still, you know, one part of me says, of course he's going to run. It's his oxygen. That's his heroin, the attention. And, you know, it's obviously the nomination is his if he wants it. Another side of me says he's so terrified about being a three-time loser. You know, he lost in 2016. He lost the midterms. If he loses again, I mean, that's his biggest fear in life is being a loser. And so it's... I'm 50-50. I go back and forth on that, whether he's going to run or not. Brandov Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, he invoked his Nazi father in an emotional message to Russia. Um, he, he sent out social media after he shared a video in which he appealed for peace. He spoke to the Russian people and he talked about um, his own father's terrible experience fighting with the Nazis during the siege of Leningrad and how it left him broken physically and mentally. Um, he says he wants to talk to his Russian friends because there are things going on in the world that are being kept from you, terrible things that you should know about. Um, and uh, Schwarzenegger pleading uh, to the Russian people, find out what's going on and, and stepping forward. Democrats brand up. They've got a new message out there. Um, this is interesting from Daily Beast. Um, they, they picked on this as a, as a set of words that the Dems are using more and more and more. Uh, Obviously, they had bill back better, which I was not a big fan of. But they – and they obviously – things that have destroyed them are defund the police and tax the rich. And the right turns it around on them. But they've got an interesting slogan that is kind of – their biggest kind of soft spot, their Achilles heel, is inflation. But they keep calling it now Putin's price hike in the gas. And they're blaming it. And obviously, a lot of it does have to do with Putin. But prices are soaring across the board. But it basically kind of like takes – it deflects off the issue of any inflationary problems – caused by this country, and you're putting it on Putin, and Putin, they keep using the words Putin's price hike. And and it's interesting. It kind of protects their flank. So finally getting certain messaging right. Brand up, and I get brand up a lot on the show, Mitt Romney. uh, I'd vote for Mitt Romney if he was running for president. Um, According, he basically, he was speaking to 200 Republican uh, donors uh, boners, no donors. This is a, this is a family program. Um, according to five attendees, Ronnie told the crowd that he has a chart in the Senate office tracing the history of civilizations over the past 4,000 years, the Mongol Empire, the Roman Empire, and where you can see democracy falling apart. And it's just, it, this is basically our experiment in democracy is the longest in the history of the world. Democracies don't stay that way and we're seeing it across across the world. And he says, both at home and at, and at risk, you know, our democ- at home and abroad, our democracy at risk and uh, telling it like it is. And we just need more Republicans like him. And I and I talk about on this show how fragile our democracy is and how uh, if Trump runs again or, or, or any of the Republicans, that they're stacking the deck with people in local legislatures that can overturn elections, the very things Trump wanted him, them to do at this point, uh, people who would be sympathetic to him. So scary stuff. Brand- Up or down for COVID. If if you're the COVID virus, it's a brand up. The rest of us, it's brand down. There's a new wave building. It's a strain of the Omicron. It's BA2. That's what they call a subvariant. It's spreading fast in Europe and China. You know, at least in New York City, you just feel there's no COVID. I'm not being insensitive to anybody that is sick, or God forbid anybody that's dying. But it, it, it was a backdrop to everything. Uh, and it's just not the case in New York now. I don't know how everybody's feeling in the rest of the countries, but there's been tremendous tremendous uh, showing up samples of wastewater in New York City and and other American cities, such as Atlanta, Chicago, and Seattle. We haven't felt it yet, but um, all the experts, the World Health Organization says we're actually at the tip of an iceberg. It says new infections jump by 8% globally compared to the previous week, 11 million new cases globally, 43,000 deaths. That's what I'm just saying. We, We... we feel somehow we're we're out of the woods and we're not. Uh, it's called COVID, not out of the woods. Uh, the biggest jump was in the Western Pacific region, which includes South Korea and China, where cases rose by 25 and deaths by 27%. Brand up for the great resignation. I've talked a lot about this on the show. People either demanding to work from home or l- looking for new jobs or not wanting to work. Um, the overall number jumped to 43% who said that they're considering quitting their jobs that's 43% of respondents to almost half of the people in the survey said they're thinking about quitting their job. That's up from last year. Um, and when you talk about Gen Z and millennials, people under the age of 41, 52% in Microsoft's polls said they might switch jobs, while only 35% of the Gen Xers and baby boomers said they would think of leaving their workplace. So it makes sense, obviously, the younger you are, the more, you're, more transient you tend to be, the more risks you're willing to take. Um, in addition, the survey found that 70% of Gen Z, and 67% of millennials are considering earning additional income via a side project or business outside their current employer in the next year. And I think that's good. Very different than when I was working, uh, when I was younger, starting out, and other people people just kind of, employers won't mind if you're doing a side gig. It's just, I, I, I guess if I was, when I was running my business, I'm not happy I would have been if people were doing things on the side. Now it's kind of an accepted thing as long as it doesn't get, uh uh get uh, in the way of your day job, for lack of a better word. Weird brand down for Stacey Abrams. Uh, I like Stacey Abrams. And she's a a big Star Trek fan. She's even quoted uh, in her book. She uses Star Trek scenes to illustrate how she solves problems. And she did a cameo where she's in a cape. Um, They call her Madam President as she walks up a spaceship. And I just go back. As a politician, you never want any visual images out there that can come back to haunt you like Michael Dukakis, you know, in the big... helmet in the tank looking like a child or John Kerry wearing a poofy white sterilization suit. She looks rather silly in this cape thing as a space woman coming off. And I just, it just gives people an opportunity to run images of her against her in commercials and got to be careful with that stuff. So I would have challenged the move for her. Brand down for Kanye West. He's imploding in front of us, obviously going after, not obviously. I say that obviously like it's it's world news that he that he's been going after Pete Davidson and Kim Kardashian. I guess it is world news on a, on a lighter note, not a lighter, It's uh, certainly a less significant note. Uh and, but serious stuff bullying, cyberbullying. Um uh and they they tossed him from the Grammy performance. Well, unfortunately this is part of his brand now that he, he the crazier he gets, the more he gets reported on. You know, what's Kanye's relevance without doing this? Uh what's Kim Gar- Kim Kardashian's relevance without Dating the young stud of the moment, if you will. Uh, bad boy of the moment. Um, so interesting, uh, sad stuff for Kanye West. We'll see how that plays out. Boo, brand out for Netflix. They plan to start charging for password sharing. and Customers are not happy. Look, he- here's the challenge. You know, you have it in your house. And, you know, do you, do you have to get it on every device now? Uh, I don't know if that's... I think you should be able to get it for a household. I don't think you should be able to pass it to other households. But I think that if they're watching on different devices and, and I, they, if they start charging mul- people to have multiple you know, costs in households, I think that's going to be a big challenge. Uh, brand down to the NFL and Deshaun Watson. Uh, he was Deshaun Watson is the quarterback who just got hired by the Cleveland Browns at a guaranteed contract of $230 million. He'd been on the sidelines because there was a criminal investigation into allegations of, of uh, abuse against women. And the sexual assault charges were they decided criminally not to go after them but there's still 22 civil sexual assault and harassment accusations and there were nine criminal accusations and it looks as if the you know it, it is the NFL unofficially banned they did ban a guy Colin Kaepernick for taking a knee can't get a job uh, during the national anthem yet you can be accused in 22 civil sexual lawsuits Against women. 22 is, is not one or two, or not, I mean, one is too many, obviously, but they can always be an explanation. You know, that's some one crazy person accusing. But when there are 22 people lining up, that that's what we call a pattern of really, really atrocious behavior. And yet, you know, the NFL looked the other way and sold the Cleveland Browns. Anything for a winning football team? Brand up for Joe Buck. Uh, I gave brand up to his old partner, Troy Oakman. Troy Oakman. Troy Aikman. They left, he left Fox Sports and he went to ESPN and Joe Buck followed him. They're going to be the voice of Monday Night Football. Uh, great announcing team. Uh, I'm surprised Joe Buck did it because at Fox, he's the sports voice of Fox. He does baseball, you know, the World Series, uh, anything Fox touches. And I guess on ESPN after football... Um, they don't have the World Series. They, they're going to get a Super Bowl in a couple of years for the first time. But, you know, I guess there was more Paola, and there it is. Big brand up for Nicolas Cage. He's gotten the best re- reviews of his career playing himself. It's a new movie called The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, and it's got a rare 100% critic score as an ag- on the aggregator, say, Rotten Tomatoes. It's the highest-scoring film of the 170. 170- Cage credited titles on his site, 170. This is an interesting story. Cage plays a fictionalized version of himself who's offered a million dollars to appear at a birthday party of a mega fan. And it may not be a scene. Cage soon finds himself falling down a funhouse mirror, rabbit hole, past roles, eventually leading to a Cage-style action movie. Sounds interesting. Sounds like a really interesting Nicolas Cage movie. Brand up for the great Dolly Parton. Um, She rejected her uh, nomination to be on the ballot for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. As maybe saying she felt it was going to take away from somebody else because she's not truly rock and roll in her mind what she does. But the foundation did not accept her and they they did not accept her denunciation of their putting her on the ballot. They put her on the ballot anyway, saying that that the work they celebrate has deep roots in rhythm and blues and country music. And that it's basically Dolly Parton. His music has impacted a generation of young fans and influenced countless artists artists that follow. So Dolly Parton in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame to be continued. We'll see. I I, nominated at least. Brand up for weddings. Weddings are at a 40-year high, Um, and the owner of K Jewelers says it's and Zale say it's seeing the largest number of weddings in 40 years. And the result of this obviously is I think two things: is the pandemic. A lot of people delayed weddings. But I think also the pandemic, people want to get more life-affirming moments and saying, why why are we waiting if we love each other and things like that? So uh, no surprise there. Brand up, huge brand up for Finland. Finland has been named the world's happiest place, happiest country for the fifth year in a row. Um, United Nations Sustainable Development Solutions Network, um, their 10th World Happiness Report. It was significantly ahead of the other countries. Denmark in second place, followed by Iceland, Sweden, and Norway occupy seven and eight spots on the list. So, you've got Sweden, Norway, Denmark, and Finland, four of the top eight spots. Um, and th- it's based on how the 146 countries on the list scored in the Gallup poll between 2019 and 21, um, and it has to do with uh, domestic domestic product, domestic gross gross domestic product per capita. Social support, as well as how the country citizens gauge their freedom to make life choices and generosity. You know, I, it's, it's interesting. You know, it's a, there's a, f- a form of socialism uh, in in these countries, uh, and it's it's working for them. You know, I mean, it's not it's not as much doggy dog. It wouldn't be my choice. I like the doggy dog world out there. It Makes us who we are. Uh, I, I mean, I mean doggy dog in, in the good sense, the good, nice dog and nice dog, not dog eating dog, dog playing with dog. Brand up for Rockefeller Center, the skating rink is coming down, and for the first time, they put it actually for the first time since 1940, a roller rink will occupy the space. A roller blading, roller skating, and blading came back during Corona. A lot of people, that's that's obviously uh, exercise you can do by yourself, and they're trying to make Rockefeller Center as opposed to just a tourist attraction. If you live in New York. Unless you work in 30 Rock in one of those buildings, you're not usually hanging around Rockefeller Center. They're trying to make it more of a local destination instead of a tourist destination. I think it's a good move. Dancing for men, brand up. Dancing is good for masculinity. Helps men understand their identity, a study finds. it's basically helps men better understand their own identity. Uh, academics in Finland had this study. And they, Finland's got it right. They know what they're doing, as I just talked about. Uh, it's men who took part in the dance groups between the 1990s and 2008. Any uh, in of you said dancing was a good way of expressing themselves physically? It made them more positive about their bodies. It also helped them grow more confident discussing life's important issues. So if you have an important issue to discuss with your, your male counterpart, your male partner, your male husband, um, or male boyfriend, first have him do a little dance before you have the serious discussion. Because it, 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 makes, him, it makes him more confident discussing life's important questions. So I got to get dancing. Of course, I'm, I'm, I got to get better at a lot of things. Uh, lobster, brand up or brand down, depending on whether they're selling or buying lobster. Uh, if you're buying lobster, it's brand down because a price shock has hit restaurants. Uh, it's up over 59% than the pre-pandemic level. That's the 60% pop in price of lobster. So basically, Washingtonian Magazine reported that this means there's 100 bucks for a two-pound lobster at the DC Steakhouse prime rib. Two pounds not even a huge lobster. I mean, two pounds is usually like the small, you know, a pound and a half is the smallest you can get. Wow. Brand, I don't know, for Budweiser. They just launched a new beer And it's a new traditional lager called Budweiser Supreme. And they basically say, addition to their lineup is the new generation of American golden lager, an American classic reimagined, positioning as compelling alternative to their flagship Budweiser. And it's a little bit of a different malt, but I'm not quite sure what you're bringing to the table. It's kind of like the new Coke, you know, the Coke. And is that, what is that saying about my base brand? I understand when you bring up an ultra or a less calorie or a, uh, lime infused or something like that. But just to bring up Budweiser Supreme, making it somehow seem that it's superior to your current, you know, bread and butter brand, I'm not quite sure. Maybe I'm maybe I don't have all the facts of, about the differentiation in the products. Um it's it's brewed with two row and not six row barley malt. Uh Supreme, on the other hand, is trip no, that's the basic Budweiser. Supreme is triple filtered and features American honey malt. Brand up for Mike Tyson. He's selling ear-shaped cannabis-infused edibles called Mike Bites. There you go. Uh, Obviously, you remember Mike bit um, uh, Evander Holofield in a fight, and he's in the cannabis business now. So now if you do cannabis edibles, you can get a bite size of Mike's ear. Should be fine at Holofield's ear, actually. What do I know? Mini skirts, brand up. At uh, fall fashion shows, they've been showing them for fall 22, something to look forward to. Are you allowed to say something like that today, or does that seem sexist? I like miniskirts. I'm not allowed to say it. And the sa- consumer side, recent data from ShopStyle reveals the interest in miniskirts is up 25%. So there you go. And finally, poodles. Poodles have popped into popularity as the top U.S. dog breed. Labs is still number one, but they're at number five. The top 10 are number two is, take a guess, French Bulldogs. Okay, I've got one. i got a lab. i got two labs. i got a French Bulldog. Three is Golden Retrievers. Four is German Shepherd. German Shepherd's still up there. You don't, I don't see as many of them. When I was a kid, I used to see a lot more. And Poodles is five. Bulldogs is six. Beagles is seven. You don't see as many Beagles either. Rottweiler is eight. German Shorthaired Pointers is nine. And guess what? dachshund is 10. There you go. And those are our brands of the week. You're going to enjoy my interview with Frank Bruni. Uh, Frank is one of the smartest minds around. He's written so many brilliant op-ed columns for the New York Times. And he's got all these new ventures going on here. And let's talk to the great Frank Bruni. Okay, I want to talk about Huel. Uh, H-U-E-L. Rhymes with fuel. Huel. Um, Look, as soon as you wake up, you're on the go. Next thing you know, it's lunchtime and you haven't eaten anything. No wonder you're hungry. And what are the options? You can run through a drive-thru, grab something. Uh, You know it's not good for you do it anyway. Well, that's where Huel comes in. Huel, Human Fuel, provides all the carbs, protein, fats, fiber, and 27 essential vitamins and minerals you need, and everything is plant-based. They've got a wide range of convenient on-the-go options for someone who wants to eat healthy but doesn't have a ton of time. The Huel powder comes in classic flavors like vanilla, chocolate, salted caramel, and more. Uh, you get a free shaker when you order your first order. Um, it, it's fantastic. This is stuff if you, for, you get even more protein, less carbs, and a naturally gluten-free option. There's Huel Black Edition. Uh, they've got these hot and savory meals like mac and cheese and Mexican chili, green curry and a few others you try. Uh, you make them in less than five minutes. Uh, so this is just a really healthy alternative to pretty much what you've been doing now. I mean, you get all the nutrients. It it uh, it, it gets you on the go, gives you great energy. So I really want you to check out Huel. Check them out. Um, it's proof that fast food can be good. I love it. You will too. And right now you can get free shipping on your first order plus a shaker and a free t-shirt. Go to Huel.com slash Donnie. That's H-U-E-L.com slash Donnie to get free shipping on your first order plus a shaker and a t-shirt. Shaker and a t-shirt. I mean, how do you not do this? Huel.com slash Donnie. I want to talk to you about Mint Mobile. If saving more and spending less is one of your top goals, and I think it's pretty much everybody's goal, um, why are you still paying insane amounts of money for every month for wireless? Switching to Mint Mobile is the easiest way to save. It's the first company to sell premium wireless service online only. Mint Mobile lets you maximize your savings with plans starting at just fifteen bucks a month. So you only buy it online, and it obviously cuts out a lot of a lot of middlemen. It makes a lot of sense. For people looking for extra savings can see Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just fifteen bucks a month by going online. You eliminate traditional costs of retail, uh, passes the savings on to you. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high speed data delivered on the nation's largest five G network. Use your own phone, keep your own phone number, your existing contacts. Um, you choose the amount of monthly data on Mint Mobile and you stop paying for data you never use. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month. To get your new wireless plan for just $15 a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash Donnie. That's mintmobile.com slash Donnie. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash Donnie. I'm thrilled to today's guest, uh, Frank Bruni. He's got a big new book that literally just came out, The Beauty of Dusk on Vision, Lost, and Found. Um, he's written a whole bunch of books. He was, of course, the New York Times chief restaurant critic uh, for about five years. Then he was a New York Times op-ed columnist. That's where I fell in love with his work. Um, he has since stepped down and now is a Duke University as an endowed professor of journalism. Uh, he still writes the Times newsletter and is a contributing uh, opinion writer for New York Times. He was the first openly gay opinion columnist for times. I can't believe we even have to still say shit like that. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. well, you know, we, we, it's just, we don't have to say it. We don't have to say we, it. We, we but I'm, I'm thrilled you're here. Thanks for being here, man. Oh, thanks for having me. Um, the book, I want to get right into the book because it's it's so relevant to so many people. And it and it's basically happened as a result of I a, a, uh, I don't know if I'll call it a tragedy in your life, but certainly a, uh, a really unfortunate situation. You... You woke up one morning and couldn't see out of one eye and pick it up from there.
0: Yeah, it was October 2017. It was a Saturday morning. I still remember it. I woke up and something was really funky and wrong with my vision. And at first I thought, ah, there's some gunk in my eye from from last night. Or I thought maybe I had too much wine last night and this is some facet of a mild hangover. I thought, okay, it's my glasses. I need to clean my glasses. And as the day went on, Um, and I took a run and a shower and cleaned my glasses and nothing changed, it became clear to me something uh, bigger was wrong with my eye. Um, But even then, Donnie, I thought, okay, I'm going to go to the doctor. He's going to give me a drop or a pill or eye calisthenics or something like that because, you know, there's a remedy for everything, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Except there isn't. And in a matter of days, I learned that I had had a kind of stroke of the optic nerve, um, that the optic nerve behind my right eye had been ravaged, um, forevermore, untreatably. Um, and then the real uh, clincher was I was told that there was a 40% chance that it would happen to my left eye too in the coming months or years. Turns out mm-hmm. the conventional wisdom on that is actually more like 20%. But, you know, mm-hmm. I have lived forevermore with this knowledge um, that there is, you know, that there are significant odds that I could lose my vision. And that, that is definitely a life-changing event.
1: And what you did, you turned it into a... Spect- Everybody's got to read this book because it—it's it, the net net of the book is that most of us are carrying around inside um, various tremendous uh, hurts that have happened in our lives or obstacles or uh, tragedies or, or life-defining things. Yet on the outside, we don't show them. And that the world would be a better place, as you said, if we all wore sandwich boards saying, hey, guess what? I, I might lose my eyesight or guess what? I have anxiety disorder or whatever it is. And it's just, it's an interesting premise and you've talked to so many different people and, and talk to me about, obviously the inspiration book came from when you had your illness and, and take me to like how you kind of got to where to turn this into this incredibly inspiring book.
0: Well, thank you for your kind words about the book. Um, you know, when it first happened to me, I didn't think, I mean, even though I'm a writer, and as, as my as my friend Nora Ephron said, everything is copy. You know, when things interesting yeah. things happen to you in your life, you do always have the instinct, like, is there something to write about? Um, it was a while before I thought that this might be a book. And what made me think it might be a book is exactly the process I went through that you described. I, I found um, that in order not to be angry about this, and anger is pointless, and in order not to feel self-pity about this, and self-pity is pointless. I-, I took a more accurate and truthful look at the world around me and realized, as you just said, that um, almost everyone in some way is carrying around pain, um, is, the, is the graduate of intense struggle. Um, and we all have different things. For me, it's my compromised and imperiled eyesight. For somebody else, it might be you know, the loss of a spouse or a child um, at a terribly young age. For somebody else, as you said, it might be anxiety disorder. All of us are in some measure and in some way struggling. And once you realize that, it puts what you're going through in perspective. It allows you to look at it much more philosophically and constructively. And as I began to do that, I thought, okay, this is a book. Because this isn't just about this freaky thing that happened to me. It's about the wisdom I gained from it and the wisdom we could all gain from looking at our lives and at our places in the world in a more truthful fashion.
1: And who, give me some of the examples of some of the folks that you talked to as far as carrying around these pains and disorders.
0: Well, you know, I mean, I, I had friends who I knew had been through or were going through things. I'd never really talked to them extensively about it. I have a good college friend, a wonderful woman named Dory, who was diagnosed with Parkinson's in her 30s, mid-30s, which is quite young, um, mm-hmm. and has had a rough go of it. You know, Parkinson's, you can have, you know, many gradations of difficulty with that, Um, And I had never said to her, Dory, would would you be willing to tell me the story of your Parkinson's? By which I mean how you got through that initial diagnosis, um, how you learned not to feel sorry for yourself, how you adjusted um, so that you could maintain a full life. Um, And she was more than willing. She was eager to share this stuff, which which we, we too seldom ask the people in our lives to share this stuff. Um, And so she's in the book as someone who is an example for us all about how to come upon that that kind of juncture in your life um, and take the fork in the road that is toward optimism, resilience, and and positivity. Um, I also talked to people who were vision impaired or blind, including an, an amazing judge, Judge David Taitle, who recently retired from the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, which is one half tick below the Supreme Court and is probably the primary feeder court for the Supreme yes. Court. Um, and he's been blind since his early 30s. Uh, and his distinguished legal career uh, was unimpeded by it. Um, he just he adjusted. He learned to take in information in different ways. He, went, he, he had most of his kids he had after he went blind. Um, and I remember this afternoon, Donnie, where I, got, I became friendly with him. And, I would, and whenever I was in D.C., I would visit him. And we were chatting in his chambers one day, and, and we were due back at his apartment to have dinner with his wife, Edie. Um, and I said, okay, do you want me to call the Uber to bring us from your chambers to your apartment about, you know, five miles away in a different neighborhood of Washington? He said, no, 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 we'll take the metro. And I'm thinking to myself, how's this going to work? And we, we walked out of his chambers, we walked out of the courthouse, we walked five or six blocks to the metro, we walked into the metro, through the, onto the platform, and the whole time, I'm not leading him, I'm there as a crucial fail-safe, but he had... Over the years, he had become so good at processing auditory cues, he had been so good at remembering how many steps it was from here to there, that he could pretty much do this on his own just so long as there was someone there as a failsafe, you know, for safety. And it was an astonishing example of how resilient and adaptable each of us is. It wasn't about blindness, it was about resilience and adaptation and I remember so distinctly, Donnie, as we, were, as we were as we were in the subway on the way to his house in the metro, um, he turned to me at one point and he said, Frank, starfish can regrow limbs, but that's nothing compared to what people can do. And he had just shown me that. And that is a message all of us need to hear and keep close to heart, especially as we age.
1: What's the, I want to talk to you about aging a little while did you find a common mechanism? Because it's it's easy to use words and say, okay, find the positivity and be optimistic and overcome it. You know, as you went through these stories, was there a trigger, a mindset, a uh, a reckoning, an awakening that you found consistent with people overcoming these tremendous advers- adversities?
0: Absolutely. That's a great question. Um, in almost every case, there was a moment. For some people, it was very quickly after the principal hardship Asserted itself in their life when they confronted it. For some people, it was after maybe a year or two of feeling somewhat lost and defeated. There was always a moment when the person realized um, I can either dwell in what I've lost, I can either dwell in what's been taken from me, which is no kind of life, which does me no good, or I can decide to uh, focus on what remains, what my blessings still are and I can focus on how to make the most of the, of the agency, of the potency, of the abilities I still have. Almost everyone comes upon that, that moment of decision, that kind of fork. Um, and the people who thrive are the people who realize uh, that if you decide to maintain a defeatist attitude, if you decide to feel sorry for yourself no matter how much you deserve to, if you decide to feel angry at circumstances no matter how much that's warranted, it is not going to give you a contented, fulfilling life. And so why do it? Everyone has that fork, that moment of reckoning where they decide what kind of attitude they want to have.
1: I want to talk to you about Coda.io. That's Coda.io. Look, if you're somebody who wants to be able to work from anywhere, and that's pretty much everybody, uh, all you need is your laptop and a decent Wi-Fi. And, but you know it's not so great? Being spread out across the country and trying to keep the team on the same page and focused on tasks. Look, it's a new world right now, and that's why I'm a huge fan of Coda. Coda, basically, everybody's working from all over the place and allows you to kind of manage your projects together with teams working all across the country. If your best work is spread out across documents and spreadsheets with a stack of workflow tools, you have to jump in and out all day. You need Coda, the doc that brings it all together. Coda is endlessly customizable and connected. they are templates from anything and everything, product roadmap, remote onboarding, OKTR, OKR tracker, meeting notes, you name it. Uh, Coda adapts to growing t- teams and changing strategies. It can help you change how you view information depending on what you need to do it. And perhaps more importantly, Coda seamlessly integrates with the tools you need. Everything in Coda is synced. Make an update in a table, and automatically shows up everywhere. So this is in today's day and age, where and I, I, you know, I talked about this earlier on the show, where people are working from home, people are doing hybrid working. You you need a document that brings everybody together and all the work documents and work tools in one place, and that's what Coda does. So with Coda, you can solve for just about anything. Right now you can get started having your team all working together on the same page for free. Head over to coda.io slash Donnie. That's coda.io to get started for free. Coda.io slash Donnie. You know, the book, uh, and you've talked about this, has tremendous relevance today more than ever because of social media. You know, I'm raising young daughters. And even as an adult, you see everybody else's incredible life and everybody's at this party and you, you see everybody's curated, idealized, wonderful life. And, you know, I do it myself. I put on my TV appearances and my cute times with my kids and, and you know, and nobody's seeing the times that I'm down or I'm, I'm depressed or this. And that adds to it. That goes back to your sandwich with her. We would all be much happier and well-adjusted if we kind of were able to see people inside i always used to say two things to, to in there was business motivated for me and also i would say number one everybody's crazy you just don't know it okay so there's a degree increase everybody <laughs> i and raise as, my hand crazy over here yeah i yeah, double and also i would also say in business to motivate people you know i've met fortune 50 ceos and heads of states and big celebrities and there are no geniuses out there you, most people you you put you know you, you meet them you go Okay, and that's kind of liberating. And so it's along the lines of we, we just create these idealized versions to everybody else except ourselves. Absolutely,
0: absolutely. Yeah. Social media is the lie, sandwich boards are the truth. But you're 100% correct. I mean, the most pervasive kind of psychological syndrome among CEOs and the most successful people in life is imposter syndrome. Fragilence. They're, they're walking around. Yeah, yeah. They've often learned. It's it's one of the reasons they've ascended the ladder. Um, it's one of the things that happens once they've ascended the ladder. They walk around with their heads, with their chins held high, um, and they have uh, affected a confident gait. But inside, they're wondering, when am I going to be found out? Yes. And that's not everybody, <laughs> but it's most people. Or they're thinking, if people only knew how crazy I am. You yeah. know, I mean, I... I joking, I mean, I say this and people think I'm joking. Like just last night, I did an event here in Chapel Hill where I live. um, And someone was talking to me and asking me a question about being a professor at an elite university. And I laughed and I said, I'm laughing because I see myself as this disheveled wreck. Like that's the truth of my inside. And when you call me a professor or when you turn to me and say, I'd really like to to avail myself of your wisdom, I want to laugh because I'm bumbling along like everybody else. If we all admitted how much we're bumbling, how much we're struggling, how we're we're improvising and making it up like everybody else, I mean, my God, how much, how much relief would we all feel? I wish, I wish those Instagram images would go away. Yeah. I wish, I wish Facebook was a bulletin of, hey, here's what I struggle with today. But I, I will tell you, Donnie, if you make a decision, I'm talking about all these decisions you can make, if you make a decision to be alert to different cues, when I read the newspaper now, when I'm bopping around the internet. Um, I don't mean to sound morose here, but I, I notice if there's a report of someone who committed suicide. I notice if there's a report of someone who has met some kind of really terrible circumstances, not because I have an iota of schadenfreude in me, not because misery loves company, but because I want to round out the inaccurate picture that so much of social media projects
1: at us. Interesting, you said about holding. Again, well, I do TV now, and I give my opinion. And I somebody says to me, "Well, like, where, where do you get all?" I was like, "I don't know. I just make it up." And I, <laughs> my opinion is as good as anybody else. There are no <laughs> these experts. There aren't too many experts out there. Um, talk to me about people who your book focuses a lot, not exclusively on people who have had very physically defining things, like in your case, losing your eyesight, potentially or your eyesight. How about the people, which is the majority of people, that walk around with daily what I'll call challenges and anxieties, you know, whether it's work-related or relationship-related, but they don't get to kind of give themselves the thing of, wow, this terrible thing happened to me, so I'm going to turn it around. And you almost feel guilty feeling badly. Like, you, I, you know, if I put my sandwich board out there, you might go, come on, Donnie, you don't even have that sandwich board stuff. But to me... My daily stress and the things that I worry about are very compelling and get my way of productivity. Yeah,
0: and and that's an honest feeling, and there's no reason that you should you should say, hey, wait, but 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 I'm not, you know, but I don't have a fatal disease, but I yeah. but I, I haven't lost hearing, I haven't lost vision. I mean, you know, there are people you can't measure these things. There's no way to measure. It. There are people who. If you were using some really blunt yardstick, you would say, "My God, that person's lot is unimaginable." And that person may, by dint of his or her psychology, actually bear that bear up quite well under that, and may be struggling less with that than you or someone else is with some more, you know, forgive my phrase, garden variety psychological challenge. Um, there's there's no yardstick here that we should all use. What we should all realize. Um, is that a certain amount of distress, uh, worry, pain, struggle, those are the default human settings. Those are the things that connect us. Um, and my God, like we're, we're in an era right now where we need to really focus on what connects us. Um, part of the problem, uh, and it's a problem along the lines of some of the stuff we've been talking about, about not recognizing pain all around you, not recognizing that your own pain and struggle um, is mirrored e- and echoed. But in the political sphere, when it comes to partisanship, partisanship and polarization, we have, um, we have entered an age where we seem to see everybody as abstractions. Sometimes they're romanticized abstractions. Sometimes they're actually kind of abstractions made sinister. We're all complicated human beings. We're complex human beings. And if we did a better job of understanding that and treating each other that way, we would be infinitely better off not only in our personal spheres, but I think in the political sphere as well.
1: We'll get to politics in a minute. One more personal thing, another obstacle you you came over in your life, and it's ironic you ended up being food critic for The Times. Is you called yourself a baby bulimic and how food was a uh, very defining thing in your childhood growing up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was, um, uh, and I wrote a book about this called Born Round. I was tormented by, I had a life in which I was both uh, in love with food and tormented by it. And I and I think it's a familiar dynamic to a lot of people. It was a dynamic writ large in me um, and sometimes writ large physically. Um, but I think a lot of people can relate to it. And I was, um, I had eating disorders growing up um, in college, after college. And kind of got control of those and ended define, up as define
1: eating disorder. Define eating disorder.
0: I um I had periods of bulimia and it's kind of gross, but I had periods of bulimia in in college. I had periods afterwards where I would I, I guess the right verb would be abused laxatives. Right. Um, I was, I mean this uh, I think it's disorder that I was constantly on and off fad diets, which was a bad habit I yeah. inherited from my mother. Um I mean, I just did not. I had the opposite of a healthy relationship with food. And I still struggle with that, but but much less so. Um, yeah, and I mean, and, that, and that, that's one of the, you know, to, to just kind of trot out an old phrase, that's one of the crosses I always had to bear. Um, but it's funny. I, I look back at how tormented I could feel by food. I look back at, at how sorry I often felt felt for, how sorry for myself I often felt about about feeling so compulsive towards food about gaining weight so easily even when I wasn't overeating um you know the day that I was told I might lose my vision the day that I lost half my vision sort of um I looked back at a lot of that stuff and thought wow you know I mean <laughs> um this feels like a much more meaningful sure. struggle and 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 why did I why did I stew about that to the extent that I did
1: I also want I want to ask you what you you had one of the high profile journalistic Perches in the world, obviously being an op ed column sometimes. You, you still do columns, but not as regularly. Why did you decide to move more to academia and make that a little bit of a, a side bar versus your, your main raison d'etre?
0: I I, I I like variety. I want to change in my life. Um, I, for me, uh, that that cliche variety is the spice of life, that aphorism, it really holds true. So, I mean, in my journalistic career, I have. For the Times, I've covered presidential campaigns, the White House, the Vatican. I've been stationed in Rome, San Francisco, Washington. Um, I've been a restaurant critic, but I've also done high-level political reporting and religion reporting. Um, I had been in the same job for a very long time. I've been in the same apartment for a very long time, and it was inconsistent with what invigorates me. Um, but it was so comfortable, and it was, as you said, such a high perch. It's like, why would you ever? Yeah. Why would you? Why would you ever mess with that? Um, it wasn't making me as happy as I wanted it to make me any longer. And so what's the point of a certain station or a certain privileged perch if you're not feeling utterly fulfilled and if you're not feeling as happy as you might? I wanted I wanted a change of pace. I wanted a change of scenery. I moved from Manhattan down here to Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Um, you know, And now instead of Central Park, I've got acres and acres of woods and trails. And my dog and I are out on them every day. We were this morning. Um, and it's great. It's new. It's different. It's reinvigorating. I have, it's
1: interesting. I've written a couple of books. And uh, one of my chapters in my book was called The Multiple Mountain Theory. And it's the theory. I sold my company at a very young age. I had an ad agency, very successful one. And I sold that because I, I, you get wrapped in a pillow of success where there's no margin yeah. of failure. You're, you're, you're there. And it's degrees of success at that point versus creating a new mountain to climb, which kind of causes you to kind of have that scrappy mentality that maybe you lost because you just feel so successful. And I won, and I felt like i had won the game. So I wanted to create another game. And it's kind of another way of saying what you did. And most people don't do that because once you get to the perch, it's like that was the goal to get to the perch. So just kind of interesting. Another one of your books is, which I'm really fascinated by, is Where You Go Is Not Who You'll Be, The antidotes, to College Admissions Mania. Obviously, I just went through this with my daughter. My daughter just got into GW. We went through the, but having not read you a book, that not read that book, I always said to my daughter, you, "It's college is not going to define you. It's not. It 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 does in certain ways. It's the people you meet. You know what I mean and and whatnot. But it's not. Your life is not going to be. This is not your fork in the road in life. Where if you go to this school, you're going to be successful, and if you don't go to this school, you're not going to be successful."
0: We have constructed, um, and it's a really cruel thing that we've done to young people. We constructed this myth in this country, in America in particular, um, that college is this magical juncture where it all comes together or where it doesn't. Part of that myth is the the, the exclusiveness, the selectiveness of the college you get into um, is either going to launch you or impede you for the rest of your life. Um, it is not true if you look at the people around you in any professional setting and you, and you notice the variety of educational paths that they took to that moment in time. Um, it is common sense not true that the name of the school on your diploma is going to matter as much as the quality of the time you spent at whatever school you went to. You know, how much you wrung out of it, regardless of whether it was Yale um, or a mid-level state university. I hate even saying that phrase mid-level because yeah. I don't think we should rank things that way. But we've constructed this myth and we have created, uh, you know, immeasurable anxiety in some of the young people who chase after the school that has a 7% or 6% acceptance rate. Um, and for what? You know, I, I don't understand it. And that book was my kind of cry from the heart and my plea that we change it. Um, and I'm, I'm, so, I'm so, I feel so privileged that I kind of came upon that topic and had the opportunity to write that book because, I mean, there's not a week of my life where I don't get an email from someone or run into someone um, who says that that book has helped them. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it may be the kind of most meaningful thing I've done professionally in my life because I think it really, in a very concrete way, helped parents and children. That's amazing.
1: Gary V, who's kind of a social media guru. Are you familiar with Gary Vaynerchuk? Yeah. Uh, yeah and yeah, yeah. he preaches, it's, it's interesting that, like, college is not an automatic. You know, for so many people to go to four years... And have $250,000 in loans versus in today's much less barrier to entry world, you know, it's interesting. So for us, I'm older than you, but for a few years older than you, for me growing up, college was like if you didn't go to college, you just couldn't have any path to success. And it's still recommended, I think, for most people, but it's not the answer for everybody. And I think that's another thing that's kind of changed in this new world that we live in
0: yeah, and and there are plenty of people who didn't go to the kind of school that makes you know makes people go weak in the knees, you know, who have yeah. I mean, I think it's cool right now. Um, a lot has been made about the fact that Biden is the first president in a very long time who doesn't have any ivy in his undergraduate yeah. or graduate yeah. degrees. Um, but even when that observation is made, it it really bothers me because in calling him the exception to the rule. It implies that for all of those other men who preceded him, and so far it has only been men, sadly, but someday we'll say all the men and women. um, For all those men who preceded him in the Oval Office, the implication is that their Ivy League experiences at the undergraduate or graduate level were decisive in them becoming president. And it's ridiculous. The fact that they went to Ivy League schools— was reflective of circumstances that predated college. So, did George W. Bush end up in the White House because he went to Yale, or did he go to Yale because he was already George yes, W. Yes. Bush, George H. W. Yes. Bush? So, w- we don't think logically about cause and effect here, and that's that's yeah. what I tried to urge in the book to like be commonsensical, think about cause and effect in a in a intelligent way. I
1: used to so look forward to your columns. If you were going to say three columns that you wrote that had the biggest impact from your point of view that you were most proud of, uh, what would you say those were?
0: Oh, wow. That is really tough. I'm going to give you just the first all. I know they're all babies. It's
1: it's hard to choose a favorite favorite (laughs) child, but you know.
0: Uh, I mean, these just popped to mind, and I I doubt they're the right answer. Um, I wrote a column that was among the best read I ever wrote that was called The Gift of Siblings, and it was about my relationship with my siblings, which I'm blessed to have a great one. And I remember it so well, Donnie, because it was one of those columns, like, You'll relate to this, but you know, you kind of do one for them, one for me. You write a column that you know will have a broad readership, and then you write a column that's just one that 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 you that's in you and you want to put yeah. out there um, and you think, ah, eh, this no one's gonna read this. I thought that column called The Gift of Siblings was not gonna be read by anyone and it was boom. And I think it said something resonant about the role of siblings in our lives. So so that's one that comes to mind. Um I wrote a column about my relationship with my father and how he'd come to accept my being gay over the years. That. Um, and that was another one that I think uh, uh, had had a lot of meaning for people. Um, and then I don't know why this is popping to mind, but I was very proud. Uh, it didn't end up getting her the job, but I was very proud of a column I wrote during the 2020 election cycle um, uh, imploring Joe Biden to choose Tammy Duckworth as his running mm-hmm. mate. Um, and I'm proud of that column. That column sticks with me because it was really just an opportunity to extol an extraordinary American yeah, life, incredible. which is the life that Tammy incredible. Duckworth has led. Talk about. Sorry about this right, conversation. Right where your book?
1: We'll go right into. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. Talking about hardships and junctures, and I mean, I mean, Tammy Duckworth, Senator, Senator Duckworth, I should say, is someone who had um, a life-changing uh, medical nightmare happen to her as a function of her of her military service. And boy, did she get to that fork in the road and say, I am steering toward the most constructive, demanding, challenging, fulfilling life I can lead. And there she is in the United States Senate. And she was, by all accounts, on she a was very a short list, list yes. of vice presidential talk about, contenders. Talk
1: yeah. about extraordinary. Hey, we're living in a crazy world these days. I just would love to get your opinion <laughs> on where, I, I, you know, because people ask me all the time, so what? how does this end in Ukraine? What happens? We're, and my answer is, fuck if I know. I mean, I'd love just as a guy who, as you said, has covered everything from politics to religion to, to food and everything in between. What's your take on what's going on right now? Um,
0: my answer is the same as yours. I have no crystal ball. I mean, my, my, my take, if you're asking me where this is going to end, how this ends, I have no idea. If you're asking me other observations about it, um, I think it's important for Saul to remember. Everyone was so shocked when this happened. Oh, how, how in this day and age can we have a land war in Europe? How can how can we have like Russia just to decide to kind of invade and topple Dave showed, the government? Dave, and he showed his government? hand before.
1: I mean, there's no surprise. He
0: showed it. He showed his hand before, and this is
1: this, who they, this, this is, is this is what the, this is yeah. the Russian Empire. This is what they. This is
0: yeah. We're not living outside of history. We we love to talk because we have made such enormous technological advances, because we've made such enormous scientific strides. We love to talk about, like, the advance of human civilization, you know, the arc of history bending toward, you know, all these good things. Um, History does again and again repeat itself. The very facets of human nature that led to conquest and brutality in the past Those have not been retired or extinguished from human nature. So this is one of those moments where we really have to kind of pause and remember that this kind of thing will never go away. We must never let our guards down. We must always do everything we can to build and nurture democracy, to tend peace, because the minute you become smug and assumptive, that you have evolved beyond a certain kind of occurrence, um, you will see that happen and you will be reminded.
1: Hey, Frank Bruni, the book is The Beauty of Dusk on Vision Lost and Found. It is an inspirational book. I implore everybody to go get it. You're a gentleman a scholar. I appreciate your time, my friend. Stay well. I appreciate it. I've enjoyed it. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed our Brands of the Week and our interview with Frank Bruni. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe anywhere that you get podcasts. That means anywhere, including Apple and Spotify, anywhere. Please rate, review, and subscribe. And also you can watch our videos on YouTube and please subscribe and leave your comments there for us. We'll see you next week. Have a safe week on our brand. Hi, this is Jim Jeffries. I have a podcast out called I Don't Know About That. Each episode is a different subject. We bring an expert on and I say everything I think I know about that subject and then they correct me. Join in, listen to the podcast, you'll have a laugh and you might learn something. Follow, rate, and review, I Don't Know About That with Jim Jeffries. now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to listen. You can also catch video releases each week on YouTube.